0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is November the 14th, 2021. I have a quiz for you. Uh, Regular viewers will know this. Others won't. Recently, we've had three people on the show. David Kushner, the writer on disruption, the prize-winning writer, uh, Zach uh, Greenberg, who uh, is a tech writer, and the iconic um, science fiction writer and thinker on artificial intelligence, as well as many other subjects, Jeanette Winterton. So the question for you all is, what do they have in common? the answer is Substack, uh, the home for great writing, or at least the self-described platform <laughs> for the home of great writing. Uh, Zach Greenberg now publishes exclusively on Substack. Uh, David Kushner is publishing his next book on Substack. Uh, and Jeanette Winterton is currently uh, the writer in residence have another Substack writer on today, very different from Greenberg and Kushner and Winterson. Uh, Her name is Caroline Chambers, and she's a cooking uh, writer. Uh, In fact, she's the first guest I think we've had on the show with an expertise in cooking. Uh, She's joining me from the uh, Carmel Valley in California. Uh, Caroline, welcome.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
0: Uh, You're, you've You've cracked Substack, um, or perhaps you've used cr- Substack to to crack um, the professional uh, market for for writing. Tell me why Substack. And this let, let's be clear here: this is not a, a show, this is not an advertisement for Substack. But yeah. I'm intrigued with the way in which Substack is reinventing um, reinventing opportunities for writers like yourself. So what's the big deal Caroline about Substack?
1: So I was first drawn to Substack when I guess it was 2019. I had written a traditional cookbook called Just Married. It was published by Chronicle Books which is one of the biggest publishing houses and one of the biggest cookbook publishing houses especially uh, in the United States and I'd written a cookbook with Chronicle. I had my first son, Mattis, who's now three, and kind of the way that I cook and the way that I enjoyed being in the kitchen changed completely after I had kids. I'm sure many people can relate to that. I had less time. I had less energy. I didn't want to do like project cooking. I didn't want to make a lasagna. I wanted like a delicious meal to happen really fast for me. So I came up with this cookbook concept called what to cook when you don't feel like cooking. And it was awesome. And it just was really simple, 10 ingredient meals, um, always under an hour, just really, really simple, beautiful food. And I pitched it everywhere on the internet, or or not, not on the internet, I pitched it to like every single publishing house, Chronicle, Random House, everybody. And without fail, every single one said, we love the concept, but you just don't have a big enough social following. You don't have enough, basically publishing houses these days want you to have, want the author to have a baked in, you know, audience of people who will buy the book. They don't yeah, want you to do the
0: marketing. um I don't know whether this is post-substack, but you do have a pretty good um, Instagram following. Yes. Uh, 75,000 people. But is that after you've been on sub-substack? So
1: actually I, I like, they, they basically all rejected my, my, uh, proposal. And I was like, well, screw this. I'm not going to have like not having an Instagram presence stop me from, you know, doing the work I want to do. So I started building my Instagram presence kind of when COVID started, I was like, all right, I'm just going to start cranking out recipes and try to build up a following. And once I did, I was like, okay, I think I could pitch this book again. And then I sort of thought better of it. the The financials aren't great cookbooks for a lot of authors are really more of a vanity project and they aren't actually great earners. And I just sort of like had this idea. I I had seen people popping up on Substack and starting to monetize it and use it as a, as a main revenue stream. And I thought, what if I just serialize, just like some of the authors you mentioned at the beginning, I'm kind of, I'm serializing a cookbook on Substack. So instead of you know, buying a cookbook and getting it, and then kind of losing interest in it and having it sit up on a bookshelf collecting dust. I send one recipe from my cookbook every single Sunday morning to kind of inspire you to cook something new that week. So, and that's, so how I got, uh, and, that's and how I got so uh,
0: what to cook when you don't feel like cooking? Uh, uh, the 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 substack um, page was born. How many followers did you have when you began? And when did exactly, did you begin this Substack page?
1: Almost a year ago. So December 16th of 2020 was when I went paid with it. I I launched on Substack, but I was just writing my normal newsletter. And then I launched it as a paid newsletter on December 16th, 2020. I probably had... 15,000 followers or something at that point
0: so where did you get those initial 15,000 from
1: you know just like hustling on the internet like cranking out recipes for free on Instagram during COVID I did this thing called COVID kitchen uh where I would like do a live stream or do an Instagram, uh, it used to be called IGTV. Now they're just videos on Instagram, but I would do an IGTV of, okay, I'm trying to make this recipe. It was either a recipe from my cookbook or from a popular, you know, another popular, uh, recipe or writer. And I would say, okay, I'm trying to make this, but this is all I have. Nobody was going to the market at this time. If you recall, March 20th. Mm, I do recall. I think we
0: all recall. I mean, (laughs) um, even now they're not back to normal.
1: I know. Even now I hate going to the market still. Um, So I started doing COVID kitchen and that was kind of how I started really growing. People were like, oh, and I would, when I would write recipes, I would write a substitute for every single ingredient. And that started during COVID. And that's something that I still do on what to cook when you don't feel like cooking. I list a, a substitute for every single ingredient. So instead of chicken, you can use pork tenderloin, You can do steak and I list like how to cook it. So that's, I think, one of the things that people really love about it. They can use the ingredients they already have in their house, which just makes people like such more proficient, confident cooks.
0: So Caroline, these kinds of shows on how writers reinvented themselves and make a living often sound very easy as if anyone can do them. But it's hard work, isn't it, to be fair?
1: Yes, it's really hard work. What I love about doing doing it this way versus writing a traditional cookbook is when you're writing a cookbook at least with just married i was given a year to write or to write an entire cookbook so that's all the head this notes.
0: was uh just married the one uh, your last conventional book that came out about three years ago
1: exactly just married um came out in october 2018 i think yeah um yes yeah, so when i was given i was given a year to write just married and so you're like cranking you've got 52 weeks to write yeah. 50 200 recipes plus all the head notes plus all the starter plus get it all completely tested you have like a team of testers who test them for test the recipe for- what
0: kind of advance did you get
1: uh, well i'll tell you exactly i got a fifty thousand dollar advance
0: which is that. actually a pretty good advance but it's not a lot of money so,
1: so for that year and I, I, was, I was side hustling doing recipe development for different brands during that year. So it was a crazy year. I was so slammed. And I honestly, when I look back, the way that I'm doing what to cook when you don't feel like cooking, I have so much more time and energy and creative space to come up with better recipes because I only owe, I only have to write one per week, you know, as opposed oh, to- Oh, it's not
0: one per day. It's one per week
1: not one per day it's not three per day it's one per week
0: but it's up to you I mean you can do as many or as few as you want is that right
1: so yes with 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 what to cook I can and I when I first started the newsletter in December I was just doing one recipe every single Sunday that's kind of what people were paying for and my Substack uh handler I don't know what it Dan Stone at Substack is a great uh, resource for authors. And he sort of helps me strategize and come up with new ideas for how to make it better and improve my, uh, and increase my audience. And he's really been encouraging me to publish more often. He's like, you're the only successful Substack author who's only writing once a week, like just start writing more and you'll, you know, you can expand more. But so
0: there's everyone yeah. at Substack, I I have a newsletter, but I, I'm, I'm gonna start doing it actually a, a little bit more seriously, especially yeah. after this conversation. Yeah. Not everyone at Substack has a personal handler. How did you get that?
1: You know, I hit a certain revenue mark and all of a sudden I had a team at Substack. So I don't know if they have a certain number that once authors hit a certain number, they they start kind of giving you more resources and attention. Um, I know they also recruit people to Substack and will kind of give you a team of handlers then, but I found Substack all on my own. I was kind of a nobody when I I started. I'm still a nobody, but I had very few followers when I started it. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the...
0: Yeah, so so the headline is uh, how a rejected cookbook proposal became a thriving reader supported Substack how many um people do you have now on your list and how many of those are paid and how much do they pay
1: i have about almost 15000 free um free subscribers yeah. and then i have about 4000 paid and they either pay they have two options they either pay 35 annually so 35 is the cost of a cookbook so that was sort of my cheeky like f you yeah. so that's
0: more than the publisher gave you in an advance
1: it's more than the publisher gave me and it's a lot more than you know now that I've earned back my advance my royalty is you know pennies on the on yeah, the, you're yeah
0: and you're doing better I mean not 80 or 90 percent of, of, of writers don't even earn back any royalties because they don't they don't yeah. earn out their advance
1: wow is it 80 to 90 percent that's a well, that's, that's a that makes me uh feel I think good. So.
0: I mean I've I've written four books, two of them did and two of them didn't. So
1: Yeah, it's it's I mean, you know, the the publishing industry is is sort of in my opinion a little bit stacked against authors. So I do Well, like, Caroline,
0: you, you seem a very nice person. Let's let, let's have that a little bit more honestly. What's really yeah. going on with publishing?
1: You seem like a nice I mean, person. They're, they're,
0: they're really, I wouldn't say they're screwing writers, but they're, they're most s- publishers are kind of clueless about the nature of the business, what yes. writers have to go through. They're not, in particular.
1: Yes, exactly. Publishers are not doing business uh, like the rest of the world is trying to do business to make the most money, to um, get the book in the most hands. I, I feel like I wrote Just Married, this awesome cookbook. And then I was literally given $1,000 to market it. That was my marketing. That,
0: that is the, that's the most pathetic aspect of the most, not every publish not every publisher, I but was, most are so clueless about marketing and that's all they're really there for.
1: I was blown away. I was like, wait, how am I, if I want to do a TV, you keep pulling up my um my author page on my website and there's a clip where I went on KTLA That alone was a $1,500 day that came out of my pocket, you know, like I, it was, you know, I had to hire two food stylists to prepare the food for the segment, had to hire hair and makeup on my own, you know, new outfit, get myself to LA from Carmel Valley, where I live. So it's just, it's an unbelievably broken system. And then you're spending, wow, you really opened it up, Andrew, you're spending all this money to market a book that you're not really earning from
0: exactly that's what I used to think when a publisher would send me on book tour yes. and I'd go somewhere and do a book signing I get paid one dollar for every book I sign so if oh. I even you know if you sell a hundred or two hundred that's considered as success but it's a hundred or two hundred dollar payment yes for a day's <laughs> worth of work sometimes it's, more than a day
1: it's so so backwards whereas with Substack, if I hustle 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 my ass off and i'm like constantly promoting it on instagram i go on a podcast to talk about it i you know i host an event at a local cookbook shop whatever every single every single penny of that right and you
0: do, do a lot of online i mean and you you yeah. create a virtuous um cycle of of economic opportunities you can give live uh, online uh classes you can mm-hmm. do all sorts of other activities on and offline to make money
1: Yes, totally. And I do, I, I, yeah, I also have an online cooking class, um, subscription. So yeah, I do, you know, it's kind of, it feels, I feel like I used to be very much in the hands, my, my work and my, um, my income used to be very much in the hands of others. Like I was trying to sell cookbooks and I, I'm a professional recipe developer. Uh, that's my, job. And so I was constantly, you know, having to pitch myself out to brands. Hey, I'm a, I'm a recipe developer, you know, can I develop some recipes for you and sort of be on, on their whim to when they needed things. And now I have my own audience of people who will pay me because they, you know, know and love and trust my work. Um, and I just don't have to, I don't, I'm not waiting on income anymore. I'm sort of able to, there's no more passive income, I'm now like constantly working. You're in charge
0: of your own them. fate. And now I'm guessing yeah, the publishers are coming them. to you with book ideas and you're politely telling them that you, you may not be very interested.
1: That is correct. I keep taking calls and I keep at the end of every call, I go, nope, still the same old publishing industry. Still don't want to do this, still going to- So, so at what
0: point can Substack itself? And again, let's be clear here. People at Substack are my friends, but they're not paying for this slot. It's, this is not a Substack ad, uh, and I'm yes, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm furious. Also, perhaps at some point in this conversation, you can you can let our friends at Substack know how they can improve their service too. At what point does Substack become a publisher? Isn't the next step for them to simply publish a physical book of yours and and part genuinely partner on the economic upside of it?
1: That's an interesting, yeah, do they just become like a true, uh, a hard copy independent publisher? That's a good thought. I've had two companies approach me that turn, I guess they do either blogs or now they're approaching Substack Authors and they'll, what was it called, like Paperfy or something like that, and they turn, they, they do that, they will independently publish your Blog or Substack or ebook, whatever for you. That's an interesting idea, Andrew. I honestly hadn't gone there yet. I hadn't thought about that. Um, that would be a natural next progression. I, I mean, don't.
0: Because the, re- the reality with cookbooks in particular is that these are la- often lavish productions, almost erotically lavish in their yes. in their photography. I mean, so they still physically people want a cookbook. They just don't want a ser- I mean, your service when to cook when you don't feel like cooking is very valuable, but it doesn't replace a cookbook.
1: Yeah, you're right. Like it, you know, it doesn't replace a beautiful, thick, like grim, you know, sexy, sexy. I know I get a lot of, a lot of my readers ask me, and now that it's Christmas holiday time, a lot of people have been asking, when are you going to come out with a physical copy of it? Like I would buy it and keep subscribing. When are you going to do it? I, it's funny now that I, and I've sort of, Publicly spoken about this on my Substack and on Instagram, just how I'm sort of anti traditional publishing industry now, now that I've seen the light. And so it's funny to think about publishing a hard copy of it because I'm like, oh, cookbooks just get dusty on a shelf. You know, do this instead. This is the 2021, this is the 21st century take on a cookbook. So it's kind of funny to think about reverting back, but people do love an analog, hard, you know, touchable. Copy of copy. yeah. Cookbook. I mean, the book oh. is
0: uh, the book's not going away. So, what have you learned in terms of
1: the books aren't going away?
0: Getting and maintaining paid subscri- subscribers. What, what what do paid subscribers want? What what is the way to their heart? Because that's probably the key to all writers these days, whether they're on Substack or not. Because yeah. ultimately, all writing will go this direction.
1: So, with with cooking in particular, what people are looking for when they come to my Substack is for this to make their life easier. So, I mean, this is a good example. I held up the Grand Mercy Tavern Cookbook because it was the first one I grabbed on the ground. These recipes are hard. They're like lengthy. They take two hours each. You need special tools.
0: That's the New York Gramercy, yeah. uh, the, the yeah. restaurant in New York. It's a
1: great, it's a great cookbook, but you know, not what you're reaching to on a Tuesday night when you have three kids and you have three of them had soccer practice. You know, you're like stretched thin. My newsletter is very much like I'm a professional recipe developer. I used to write fancy recipes like this, and then once I had kids, I now have two kids. My style and what I crave and the time that I have to cook it just completely changed. Um, So I think when people come to me, they're looking for quick, easy, reliable. There's so many recipes on the internet right now, which stopped me for a long time from having the confidence to ask people to pay for my recipes. I was like, oh, they can just Google it. But the thing is people don't have time. That takes That takes extra effort to Google and try to figure out what to cook for the week. Um, So my newsletter very much is like, hey, it's Sunday. If you only cook one meal this week, make it this. And it's really working. It's incredible. I have 4,000 subscribers and I'm tagged in hundreds, sometimes a thousand pictures through the week of people who are cooking that recipe that week. So they're just looking for... They're looking for ease. They're looking for me to make their life easier. I fully write out the grocery list. I, Like I said, I have notes and substitutions for every single ingredient so that you can use what you already have in your pantry. I, um, it's really like they're using me as a service, as a meal planning service to make their life easier.
0: And then what do, um, what do the, the paid subscribers get over the free subscribers? I'm so sure. free
1: subscribers right now, they used to, this is actually, this is a good uh, sub stack update. You're asking what I would want Substack to update. The free subscribers used to only get the first recipe of every month. So they would get the first Sunday of every month, they would get the full recipe. And that was the only time I ever wrote them. And my friend Dan at Substack was like, Caroline, that's crazy. How are you going to get them to ever pay you if you only email them once a month? And I was like, Oh, interesting point. So now Substack has come out with a paywall feature. So just like the New York times wash post, everybody has a paywall feature after you've read your 10 articles for the month. Mm -hmm. Um, My, my free subscribers now get every single email. And then right after I give you the sexy intro of what the recipe is and what we're going to cook that week. I chop you off. And I say, pay me if you want it.
0: Anything else that you think a Substack could add or services like Substack to make your life as a writer easier, more, fun, life, and more profitable?
1: My life as a cookbook writer. Yes. It doesn't apply to anyone except for food people, but you know, when you go on New York times cooking or any blog, the recipe, you can click print and it just prints the recipe. It doesn't print all the text and the substitutions and the notes and the pictures. That subset needs that. So right now my editor has to go in, create a PDF. And so then if I change something last minute to the recipe, like I did last night at midnight, we have to go into the PDF, change that, re-upload it to have a printer friendly version. So I'm hoping that they, and I've told them this many times, so I, I know they're working on it we will have like a, when you want to just print the recipe, click print, no pictures. Because people love, Caroline, I mean, people love- yeah, well, this is awesome.
0: good. I hope our friends at Substack are watching or listening. Yeah. Um, Caroline, you mentioned COVID. You've you built your business in COVID. I assume totally. COVID, and it hasn't been good for, for many of us, but it, it's good for a cookbook writer and the cookbook business, because everyone's stuck at home. How has COVID changed yes. your business? and and how much does your business kind of intersect with with medical um with with, with medical content and health uh That's particularly in an age of the pandemic
1: great question i'll start with the how covid affected it covid completely changed my business so in since 2015 and i started as a caterer i had a catering business down in san diego when my husband and i lived down there I then, when we had to leave San Diego, I transitioned full-time to being a freelance professional recipe developer. So I alluded to this earlier, but that basically means just constantly pitching myself out for uh, you know, magazine pieces, news pieces. Um, I did a ton of just work for brands, so like Kim Crawford Wine, Mark West Wine, writing recipes that paired with their food, and then they could then pitch out to magazine outlets. So I went from constantly being in pitch mode, pitch mode, pitch mode to COVID started. I was literally working on a project for Corona beer on March 16th of 2020. And I called that client and we, I just finished the work. You know, it was like big professional photo shoot. I had developed the recipes styled them i called them and was like hey everything's done like here's the invoice and they were like okay like we'll pay you we have no idea if we'll ever use these we are corona beer and the coronavirus is just starting (laughs) so i had this like very um crazy like realization that the food industry is going to have no idea what to do for the next several months they don't know how to Mm. market in a time when nobody can get food at the grocery store Nothing can be fun right now. Nothing can be, I just styled a bunch of Cinco de Mayo recipes for Corona beer. There was going to be no Cinco de Mayo. So I had this realization. I was like three months pregnant with my one-year-old. I had a toddler. All of a sudden my husband was going to be home. And I was like, George, this is the time. I'd kind of known that like building up your internet brand and your Instagram presence was necessary to to was starting to be necessary to succeed. I had just been rejected for from all these publishers for what to cook when you don't feel like cooking because I didn't have enough Instagram followers. And so I looked at my husband. I was like, on truly I remember it like on March 16th, 2020. And I was like, I'm just gonna go full influencer, even though I have only 2,000 Instagram followers. I'm gonna start posting all the time, sharing free recipes all the time, doing live videos even though no one will be there. And he was like, okay, and it made him very nervous because he's a private guy. And I was like, this is, I think that this is what I have to do to succeed in the food world. Like if I wanna you know, be successful, I have to have people who want my recipes. And right now I'm just selling them to other brands. And so I just fully started cranking it. Um, and that's how I built up, you know, the internet-
0: 5000
1: uh, 75,000- Yeah. The
0: uh, last time I checked yeah. anyway, which is a pretty good number. Uh, yeah. So things are slowly, Caroline, unfortunately, getting back to normal. I can't resist you have on your website a, a 2021 mm-hmm. gift list. Hopefully, certainly this Christmas 2021 will be more normal than 2020. Um, yes. You have it in a cu- couple of categories, what you call fancy gifts and gifts under $100. For cooks, what are the the ish gifts that people could really um, earn some <laughs> The serious love and plaudits from their friends and relatives, wives, husbands, children, grandparents.
1: These gift guides were so easy for me to put together because they're just the things that when I post, when I'm using them on Instagram in a cooking video or in one of my cooking classes, they're the things that 20 people comment in the video. What kind of pan is that? So the mm. Lakers say Brazer, top right, the red one, is just this great, shallow... Dutch oven pot that I use for tons of my one pot meals. So I do a lot of one pot, you know, there'll be orzo and shrimp and feta all in one pot together. Um, And I use that all the time. A Vitamix blender is just so crucial to a kitchen it really is so superior even though they're so expensive
0: so So this is the number one for people who can see or is it the number two
1: number three actually is the number three
0: one and two and three are all mixes of some sort
1: they are and they are all necessary for different reasons number one is a like a kitchenaid mixer so that's for baking for making cookie dough making pie dough making cake mixes you have to have one um, number seven is when I get a ton of questions about, it's like 150 bucks, but it's called a boost That's block, the board,
0: right? The- yes.
1: And it's just a massive, massive cutting board. So when you're, when you're prepping for a recipe, you don't have to put, I hate this when I see people putting all their chopped ingredients in different bowls, I'm like, Oh, you just made yourself so much harder for yourself. Now you have to wash 10 different bowls. So if you just have a huge cutting board, you can just kind of push all the different ingredients off up to the side and you don't have to use all the different mise en place bowls it's like one of my well, biggest- I know
0: 150 is probably not a lot for <laughs> some of you but for others it's a lot and that's why it's good you have this under a hundred dollar list you include and these are one of my sponsors butcher box
1: oh yeah who, uh,
0: sent me some of their stuff and again i don't know if they're sponsoring this show but their stuff is really good isn't it
1: it really is. I. It's funny. When they first started, I don't know when it was, eight years ago, I got a big box of their meat and I, of their uh, beef and I didn't love it. And so I never gave them another, another shot. I think I just, I ordered a cut. I didn't like whatever. And then in the past year when going to the grocery store is such a pain. I really like having a stocked freezer now. And so now I have a stocked freezer full of great meat and I love it. And they have, you know, wild salmon and scallops and it's not just... I feel like Butcher, I, I I think they really started with beef. Now they have everything. Um, so, yeah, a subscription to that. My my husband and I used to give to his, uh, like, cousins and people we needed to get nice gifts for. We used to give Omaha steaks. Do you remember those?
0: Yeah, I remember those. I we think were they're like, still advertised in Avatar in, in Airport Magazine, in Airline Magazine.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's, they were, like, the first mail order Meat that you could get, and we thought it was the coolest present to send somebody like four great steaks. So now you know you can kind of get more more options, and I think they're a little bit more sustainable. The butcher box options.
0: Well, this is a book show, Caroline, as you know, and I was thrilled that you had um, some books uh, on your uh, under 100 hundred dollar uh, gift list, including uh, Jerusalem. Uh, yes. We have an image of the New York Times review.
1: That's what um, my copy is looks that like. your
0: favorite uh, cookbook what are the cookbooks that for you are really iconic that you can't live without
1: So those those cookbooks that I listed on the gift guide none of them are new not a single one is even from the past 2 years those are just my very favorite cookbooks if you want to cook like beautiful simple food Jerusalem has some trickier recipes but they also it also has some really simple recipes and it's just flavors that transport you and that you're not going to come up with on your own. You might have to take a trip to a specialty market to get some sumac, but they, every single recipe that Odelingi publishes is just so incredible. Um, So Jerusalem's my top. He has tons of cookbooks. Jerusalem is by far my favorite. The, the food history that's woven. Do you have it? Do you have a copy? No. So the food history that's woven through, I wish it was right behind me. This, this is
0: Jerusalem, of, right?
1: Well, yeah, of Jerusalem um, is just so wonderful. He Odelingi is Israeli, and his writing partner um, is Palestinian, and it sort right. of weaves those two tales together. And how how one mother cooked it versus the other mother. It's just an awesome cookbook.
0: And what are the other couple of books on on the list?
1: Dinner by Melissa Clark. So. Melissa Clark is a New York Times columnist. She is fabulous. She's one of the like real OGs of the food media world. Her cookbook Dinner, she also has several cookbooks, but her cookbook Dinner is all dinner recipes and they're all like complete meals, which is what my my newsletter is. So she's not just gonna tell you, here's some chicken, roast a chicken, and then you have to decide your own sides it tells you the entire meal, which I really love because people who don't cook all the time get a lot of like performance anxiety and they get stressed Mm. over, does this chicken go with this broccoli or does it go better with rice? Like it really boggles people's minds to have to put the whole puzzle together. Um, So I brought that when I, when I started what to cook when you don't feel like cooking, it tells you the entire meal. So like today's meal is roast pork tenderloin with like a couscous pilaf that has roasted pears, feta and shallots in it the whole meal, you know? It's not just roast pork tenderloin.
0: So Caroline, finally, one non-cookbook that um, you might give somebody for Christmas or that you would like to get, any suggestions?
1: A non-cookbook? Okay, well, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm really on a like strong female lead romance book kick. I have never been a romance book liker, but hear me out. It is a complete escape from your life. So you're like, I'm a Mm -hmm. mom of two, I'm working my ass off full time. And these books, like, I don't want a book that's going to make me more anxious right now. So a book that I loved, but that made me anxious and sad that I read recently was Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. It is wonderful. It's about a Korean American's life living in the US with a Korean mother who misses her home. There's like a ton of food imagery woven in and it's the story of her mother dying of cancer. It was excellent, but I truly was like wailing while I was reading it. And I was so stressed out that I had to then go back and pick up another romance book. Okay, the one that I'm loving, it's called A Court of Thorn and Roses. It's like a Harry Potter meets romance book it's excellent and I can't recommend it enough people have been telling me to read it for like 10 years they're like Caroline you'll love this book but it sounded so like fantasy world that I was like no I won't I just finished it a couple nights ago absolutely loved it A Court of Thorn and Roses
0: well that's great advice from Caroline Chambers the author (laughs) of What to Cook When You Don't Feel Like Cooking the new uh, hit on Substack it's great there some writers Caroline are thriving in these hard times Happy holidays, happy cooking, and I'd love to talk to you again about your progress in writing, in perhaps rewriting the publishing business. Congratulations, Caroline, a real, um, a real treat to talk to you. Uh, I would say that I would follow you, but I am the worst cook in the universe. So if you can ever teach <laughs> That's me to why. Cook, then, uh, That's
1: why you need to follow me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do need to follow you. I need I'll to follow you. a lot of people. That's what my wife says. <laughs> anyway, good luck, Caroline. Lovely to talk to you, and we'll talk again right. in the not-too-distant future.
1: Bye.